Hello and welcome. My name is Tom. This is the Enthusiasm Project, Season 5, Episode 12. Yes, 12. 12, yes. And today I got something a little bit different for you. So I'm very, very excited for that. But before we get into that, I'm doing something I haven't done in a while on this show, which is I am recording this via the Rode Pod Mic. The old classic Pod Mic, which is funny because just this past week, like, I, I realized that I'm not saying this as a complaint, but I, I made my video a while ago about like my microphone addiction and I talked about 26 microphones. Uh, since then, <laughs> I have not purchased another microphone. I don't need any more microphones, but uh, I've gotten some sent to me, which are really cool. And I, I'm, I've been just saying no to anything that, that wants to be sent. But there's sort of different ones like Shure sent over the MV7X, which is the mystery microphone that I was using last week, by the way. It was officially released this past week, and it's a really good microphone. And if you like the way last week's podcast sound, I did some comparisons there. There you go. That was why I didn't do a video version last week was because I was using the secret mic that wasn't out yet. So I couldn't tell you anything about it. And then um, Warm Audio sent over a just sort of a mystery box of microphones, which Heather and I unboxed this week on the Couples Table podcast stream. And that was really fun. And some of them are really, really good. One of them specifically is called the Skylight, which is a condenser microphone. I have it now currently on the wall behind me, uh, and I would would have used it today, but I'm using the pod mic for a very specific reason. And if you're watching the video version of this, you might be able to see what that reason is, is the pod mic, as you know, is that was like my first serious XLR microphone. And when I got the Rodecaster, I got the pod mic, love the pod mic. It's great. I have three of them. <laughs> it's a good microphone. Uh, but, you know, I've also then gotten interested in other microphones. So I've I've sort of gone down that route a bit. And haven't used the pod mic as much, but every time I come back to it, I always remember like, ah, I just I like the pod mic, and I like the way it looks, I like the way it sounds, at least the way it sounds with my voice. I know, which is not a this is not a bad thing. The pod mic has a very specific character to its sound, so it doesn't work with everybody, doesn't work with every environment. But if it does work with your voice and it does work with your environment, it can sound excellent. And anyway, so I like the pod mic. However, it can be prone to plosives. And, you know, you can work on your mic technique so that way you speak across it and you don't need to worry about plosives. Or you can put the giant windscreen on it, which I made a video about, the Rode WS2. It works amazingly well, eliminates all plosives. And it kind of does act almost as a de-esser to sort of like um, smooth out the sound a little bit. But it does cover up the visual appeal of the mic, which I, I always give this disclaimer Audio quality of a microphone, most important quality of a microphone. Visual of appeal, still pretty important because for a couple of reasons, a lot of us are doing video related things. So the way things look on camera actually does matter. And two, it's fun is also a reason that visual appeal matters. If you have a microphone that you like using, not just because it sounds really good, but because you actually like, it's really fun to use or it looks really neat or whatever, all these intangible qualities that's a good thing because it's going to make you want to use it more. And so the bod mic has that and that's really cool. And I don't like covering it up with the pop filter or the, the windscreen. I always get windscreen and pop filter mixed up. Windscreen is the thing that goes on the microphone itself, like a foam cover, basically. Pop filter is something that goes in front of the microphone. Usually they're mesh or metal and they're like a screen that blocks things out. So if you're watching this 
you're noticing that I'm using a pop filter on the pod mic, pod filter. And this is a really, there's a cool story behind this. So I wanna share this with you. And there's also hopefully two very important people who are watching or listening to this. So that way you guys can hear as well. This was a gift that was sent to me, this pop filter, and it is a custom design specifically for the pod mic. So I have a letter here from a handwritten letter, which is always nice in like 2021 to get a handwritten letter. But this is from from Steve and Tommy over at Smart Home Rig. So there's a YouTube channel. I'll put links in the description in the show notes so you can check that out. But Steve and Tommy are a father-son team. And if I'm not mistaken, Tommy the son, is, which has is a great name, by the way, is in the second grade. So it's a really cool thing that they're working on, you know, videos and podcasts and stuff together and building a channel. Their channel is uh, nearing the 250 subscriber mark. And, you know, we've talked many times about how the numbers shouldn't be the thing that dictates success. But for them, 250 is a big milestone and they're hoping to hit it soon. (laughs) It's hard to always set those goals when you don't have control over it. So maybe I'll put a link in the description. If you check out their channel and you like what they're doing and you're interested in it, maybe you'll want to stick around and, uh, you know, show your support for them. It's never good to subscribe to channels that you have no intention of watching in the future because that will actually hurt things. But if you find something that you're really interested in, you know, maybe we can get them close to that goal with actual, genuine, excited people. But anyway, um, what they did is they used pod mics and they liked the look of the look of the pod mic, but wanted to reduce the plosives. And so they worked to design a 3D printed pop filter, which is what I'm using right now. So there's a 3D printed frame And then there's some foam. I forget what the foam is. I know, Steve, you told me what it was, but I forget what the the foam inside of it is. Um, Just cut out there. And then there's some rubber bands that are kind of like holding it all together and providing some tension. And it just sort of clips on the metal rings around the top of the pod mic. And it works really, really well. (laughs) Um, I think think Rode makes a somewhat similar-ish looking pop filter for the Procaster. I think is the microphone. Um, I think you can get something like that, but they haven't made anything like it for the the pod mic yet. And this is a really cool design. And since it's 3D printed, um, this one is black, so it matches very well with the pod mic. But if you had like a number of these, like, you know, multiple pod mics, you could in theory print them out in different colors and do like custom ones. I think it's really, really cool. So they sent this, they had some made up for themselves and then they sent me one, which is really, really nice. It's super cool and it works really, really well. Like it, it preserves the visual appeal of the pod mic. I think it actually looks cool with the pop filter on it. So it even improves it a little bit and it works because look, Peter Piper pitched a podcast. You're not hearing those puh, puh, puh. If I go around the pop filter, puh, puh, you can hear those plosives. But if I'm behind the pop filter, no plosives. So thank you guys so much, Steve and Tommy, for sending over this pop filter and a handwritten note and, and a sticker for your YouTube channel, which is now on my desk. And I appreciate that very, very much. That is super cool. Like that, (laughs) I know, like I was like, oh, look, there's a whole pile of brand new, super expensive microphones over there, which is really, really cool. This is cooler and this means more. So thank you very much. Um, When I'm not using this here, I will make sure that it is visible on the wall behind me. So that way you can see it. (laughs) And you're like, hey, there it is over there. Um, which is fun because my wall behind me, I haven't really talked about like the the pictures and stuff that are on in a while. They're not just like, you know, 
uh, discount store art stuff. They all mean something. There's a story behind all of them. But there's a couple, uh, there's one thing that's that's pretty cool here is um, there's a picture. It's like a landscape photo. It's sort of near the top. And there we go. If I'm pointing in the video version, it's this thing that I'm pointing to right now. It's a drone photo taken by Preston Jensen, who has a podcast. And I've been on his podcast. He's been doing it for a couple of years now. Um, and he's in North Dakota. And he one of the things he does is aerial photography. And he sent me, it's a really cool like metal print of a photo uh, that he took with his drone as a thank you gift when I was on his podcast, which is a very classy move to do thank you gifts. And it's cool that that's there. So it's neat that like my picture wall, which has always just sort of been my thing, is slowly also starting to incorporate like other stuff from from people that I've met along the way on the YouTube journey. And that's uh, that's really, really fun and super exciting. And it kind of ties in, I guess, to maybe what we're going to do today, which, like I said, is a little bit different. I'm going to break some of the rules of podcasting because when people think of Tom Buck, they're like that guy that breaks the rules all the time. <laughs> That's me. And uh, basically, you know, one of the best things you can do when you're podcasting is have a very clear purpose for your episode and put something together that's well thought out, well structured, and full of value, as they say. So that way people listen to it and they take something away from it that's really, really valuable. And some of my favorite episodes that I've done personally are the ones that that do that really well. Like the uh, the three-part series I did on like basically revenue and income for podcasting. So where I like showed all the different revenue streams and then it talked about all the different expenses for a channel and how we structured our business and all that. I really like that because it felt, I mean, I got messages telling me it was useful. So that's how I kind of know it was useful, but also it felt really valuable. Like it was so concrete do this, this is how this works, this is this exact number. You know, it was very, like, tangible. Speaking of intangible and tangible, it, was a very, it felt very tangible in terms of ideas. And I like that a lot. And today, I'm going to do the opposite of that. And we're just going to sort of float around here. I'm going to do something that I'm stealing from somebody else. I'm completely stealing this idea from Joel Haver, who I did an entire episode on why I'm a giant fan of Joel's YouTube channel, which went from a few thousand subscribers at the end of last year to nearing up on 1.5 million-ish now. <laughs> uh, so it, he, he grew a lot over the past year. But prior to that, he had been on YouTube for, I don't know, six or seven years or more and just saw, you know, very, very slow, incremental, small growth. I think it, and in that six or seven years, he'd gotten up to 3,000 subscribers. So it's it's a very interesting story and he's a very interesting guy. Uh, but he does something on his Patreon, of which I am a patron, and it's super worth it, and I recommend it. Every month, he does a Patreon ramble, is what it's called. And it's like, it has become one of my favorite videos that I look forward to every month. And basically, it is just him rambling about stuff for 15 minutes-ish, you know? Um, and I love it. And it's very visual. He's He's a filmmaker dude, so... He usually sets up his camera somewhere interesting and, and kind of scenic and then just goes and talks to the camera for a while and rambles about stuff. But it's, you know, sometimes it'll be in like a really obscure location. Sometimes it'll be a really beautiful location. I remember there was one where he's like standing on a log in, in a lake and he's just sort of walking back and forth on this log talking about stuff the whole time. And it's just, I mean, he has a very like... He's just one of those people that when he talks, it's interesting. So uh, 
those are qualities you kind of need to have, which is why I was a little nervous to do it. But it's been on my bucket list of podcast things that I want to do for a while, which is a ramble. It's literally, it's the last like bolded idea on my idea list of things I want to do for the podcast is a ramble, but I've been kind of scared to do it. And as I was trying to put together this week's episode, nothing was really like clicking in a way where I felt that literally the podcast is called The Enthusiasm Project. I should probably feel enthusiastic about the stuff that I'm sharing. And if I have to force it, it doesn't work. But I also like, I really wanted to make a podcast. So it wasn't like the burnout of like, oh, I don't want to do a podcast. It was just, I want to make one. These are my ideas. I'm not that into any of them. <laughs> and I, I, but it, so anyway, I thought this would be a good chance to step out of my comfort zone and just sort of ramble a bit for for the episode. And I think that the value and the purpose in that is that, at least for me, I think I can explore ideas in a way that's maybe a little more organic. And then for you listening, I think that's also potentially a way for us to connect a little bit more or even like, even though we're not doing this at the exact same time because this is pre-recorded, we're still kind of thinking about these things and letting like thought processes take us somewhere. And I think that can always be kind of fun and interesting. So that's what I kind of figured today is sort of like whenever I talk about what I'm thinking about stuff on my bike rides, which is something that happens a lot, it's kind of this, but in my mind where I'm just like thinking of one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And, uh, and it's sort of interesting. And a big, a big thing that I was going to think of doing for today's episode had to do with sort of this, um, I don't know what you would want to call it. It's like a vibe. It's something that's sort of in the world. It's like in the the YouTube creatory space. Basically, as you probably know, I was kind of in a funk for a while, for a couple months, for a lot of months, um, you know, because the channel, everything was going down. I was getting frustrated. I felt like I was putting more work into stuff only to get worse results in terms of analytics, if that was the measurement. And it was really frustrating. And I talked about that on here. Uh, Heather and I talked about that on the couples table. Like, you know, I, I tried to be as open as I could with that without it just sounding like I was complaining about stuff, but sharing the frustration, which was kind of a, a debate because on the one hand, I don't want to, like, I feel weird sharing too much because I just sort of like, let me figure it out over here and then I'll share with you the finished product. Like you don't need to hear the struggle, but at the same time, if a lot of the stuff that I'm making is creator focused and the audience are a lot of people who are making things on their own, I do think it's important to share some of that stuff because otherwise people people could look at what I'm doing and if I make it look easy because I'm never talking about the difficult stuff, they could end up feeling bad going like, well, it's so easy for him. Why is it hard for me? Or why am I struggling with this thing over here? And it turns out I'm also, you know, trying to figure out that same stuff. And I, you know, I'm just, you know what I mean? Like I want to be genuine and helpful. So that's why it's like finding this balance of sharing that stuff versus it, it's just part of the process of, you know, doing anything creative is going to involve ups and downs. But Despite those frustrations, I feel like for the past month, maybe like end of August, beginning of September, I really feel like I came through that period of time in a positive way. And I've been feeling so good about everything for since that time. 
And that's great. And I just feel like I have a handle on how to let things like analytics and numbers affect me or not affect me and how to approach doing the things I want to do with my channel and, you know, where there are points to be strategic and to improve and where there are things to just forget about and ignore and, you know, what works for me. And it's just, it's my unique, like, recipe for what I want. So, for example, something like uh, revisiting the way I make my thumbnails, which I did a whole live stream about this uh, a little while ago, and I think I've talked about it before, but I like my thumbnails, but I think there's room for improvement I think design-wise, they're really good, but I think in terms of clarity and like attention-grabbing, scroll-stopping, as they say, I think there's room for improvement, just making them a little simpler and a little more bold. And that's something that doesn't make me feel sad to feel. Like, I'm not, oh, man, like, what? It's not perfect just the way I made it. Like, that's a thing where it's like, well, I'm happy to kind of like solve that problem and figure out something different a little bit and and work with it. And that's, it's a super important thing. I know thumbnails can sound kind of goofy, but if you're anybody who does anything on YouTube, it's the most important part because it's, nobody's going to see the thing that you worked really hard on without that. So uh, anyway, I know that's kind of a cliche thing, but there's stuff like that where I don't mind like changing up how I'm doing stuff or working on things a little more differently. And then there's other stuff where it's like, I know I need to let it go. So that's diving into maybe some of the analytics too much. I uh, I did, I'm very proud of this, and it worked really well. I set up a bookmark on my internet browser that goes straight to the comments in YouTube Studio and not the dashboard. So that means if I want to check up on stuff, I can go there, see the comments, which I want to respond to because that's really important and that's a fun like back and forth versus like what I was doing was, hey, let's see if you know if there's any comments I need to reply to and then go to YouTube Studio, see all the down arrows, feel down and then go to the comments. And as soon as somebody says something that's like a little dumb, you're just like, or like delete it. Whereas if I don't pay attention to those numbers and I just jump into replying to people, then I feel much more like, it's like a better headspace to just start engaging and talking with people because especially when you're typing something out online, so much can get lost if even if you're trying to make a joke or maybe you write something that in writing feels more harsh than it is in reality, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I'm glad that, I'm just glad <laughs> that I haven't, uh, that, that I did that and that helped a lot. And now when I do want to look at numbers, which is less often, I can decide, okay, now I want to see how that video is doing. Uh, what's the subscriber count out? What's the revenue or whatever? And I can check that out on my terms without it just being kind of thrown in my face. So that's been awesome. I say all that because I've been feeling great. And like, I've been having fun with videos. I've been working on like a variety of different videos. Some of them are longer. Some of them are shorter. Some of them are typical to what I normally do. Some of them aren't like the photo and tabulator video and the follow-up to that, that I did this past week, totally kind of different stuff, but also then mixed in with like, I have some, you know, roadcaster tutorials coming up and some uh, video about computer related things and the GoPro. I'm currently editing a video about the GoPro Hero 10, which I think is amazing and I love it and it's awesome. So I'm doing a whole video about not just the camera, but how it fits in like my journey of GoPros trying to contextualize it a little differently. So really, really fun. But when I'm looking around the like creator space and the the people in my sphere, I feel like 
I feel like there's a large number of people and there's sort of this overall vibe that's going towards where I was when I was in my funk. And I feel bad <laughs> for that. But it, it's it's interesting because I've, I've thought it was just maybe like, oh, this person's having a hard time. That person's having a hard time. But every once in a while, if you think and you listen to your gut, you can kind of tell when there's, this used to happen a lot when I was teaching. You can just sort of feel when there's like, an overall mood within a group, meaning like, you know, there'd be sometimes I could come in and if, there, you know, if, if we were going to start a project on something with my students, I knew it was something they were going to be super excited about and they would just be like losing their minds over it. And then sometimes I could do virtually that same thing, but I could just feel that for some reason people were tired of it, people weren't in the mood, like whatever it was, it's not just one or two people, but it's like, it's sort of just a group feeling, you know, you, you can, you can see it through trends, like trends on YouTube. If you go back to 2018 and everybody was every YouTube video, it felt like had a 40 second, just B roll montage of slow motion, royalty free music. And my videos definitely had it as well. And it was like, oh my gosh, like people were just losing their minds over it. And then suddenly almost like a light switch, it was like, people got tired of it. And I mean, that that's a thing that happens with trends a lot is people get really excited about something and then it kind of goes away. And I bring that up because it's normal if you're talking to a number of people who are in a creative space that some people are going to have a good time and some people are going to be having a tough time and it kind of switches and it's, you know, it's a whole up and down journey. But I feel like lately there ha there is a wider group vibe that's sort of I wouldn't even call it burnout necessarily, but it's almost more, it's it's like a burnout, boredom, stress, ennui. I don't, I don't know what the, what the correct term, what the perfect term would be, but I've sort of had that feeling. And, and one of the reasons that I think this is important is Heather and I started our YouTube creator community this past summer, which some of you listening are members of. It's called Just Create More. You can go to justcreatemore.com to join. Always be plugging. And, um, and it's a great place. And now we're up to close to 80 members, I believe, which is so cool. And it's it's a very positive place overall. Like a very, very supportive place. But somebody who's part of that group uh, sent me a message off that platform and was just like, oh, yeah, you know, I sent a message checking in on them because I hadn't heard from them in a while. And then they wrote back and like, yeah, you know, it's just life has been getting in the way. Like I've been struggling with some creative ruts. I've also been struggling with some personal things, which all very understandable. Like you do not need to to excuse that or make excuses for that. But then they they said, I just didn't want to bring this up in the group because I didn't want to bring everybody down. And this is a person who's known for being very positive and very upbeat. And to me, that was a problem because I was I was like, you know, I, I replied trying to be as supportive as possible, but I also explained like, you are in charge of deciding how much you want to share of what. So you can, you know, if you want to tell people about your struggles, cool. If you want to keep them to yourself, that's cool too. But what I tried to make clear was the community is not just a place to share that everything is amazing and it's all just high highs all the time. Like, the challenges and the struggle are really a big benefit of having a community of people because they can relate and support and assist and help problem solve and listen and all that great stuff. And so that kind of like, hmm, it sort of like set off a red flag in my mind. And so I went to our community and I made a post 
because we, we always do a weekly wins. It's called the Wednesday because it's on it's on Wednesday and it's about wins. And it's just like, you know, it's a it's a post every week where people can share their wins for the week, whether they're big or small. So it could be something like hitting a huge milestone, getting a piece of equipment, learning a new skill, you know, doing uh, your first live stream, whatever. Whatever is something you're going to count as a win creatively for that week, it can go it can go on Wednesday. But I, I I posted another thing that was like, uh, it was more about like share the struggle. And I was explaining that basically that same thing that it's great to, to, to share all these really good things that are happening, all these really exciting things that are happening. But we know it's kind of tough sometimes. And, you know, let's share the struggle. Uh, and the, the response to that, the near immediate response to that was huge. Like, there were a lot of people that were just, it's not even that they needed anything or they needed like action to be taken. They just needed to get thoughts and feelings out. And I think there were a lot of people who had been comparing themselves to others and kind of like I mentioned earlier, thinking, you know, this is what I'm doing and I'm really struggling with this. But when I look at the group, it seems like everybody's doing so well. Look, this person is posting their win about this. This person is achieving this goal, starting this new thing here and I'm struggling over here. And I think that let people come out and go like, oh, no, I'm actually struggling with this. People you think they make it look so easy because they're good at what they do, turns out they're also struggling. And I think there was like a sense of exhaustion that popped up. And there were a number of people who've been diving into stuff like live streaming, and they've been streaming for a few weeks. And then they started asking Heather and I, um, you know, like, is it okay if I don't live stream this week? Can I take a week off? And we're like, yeah, like you don't have a bot. It's your channel, you know, like you, you're allowed to. It, it's so easy, I guess, to preach the importance of consistency and of pushing yourself and and all that, you know, to do something creative and something that matters. But it doesn't mean that you have to do it then always forever indefinitely or else you're a failure. You can take time off. You can take uh, you can switch up your schedule. Sometimes things run their course. I haven't done an episode of my ska podcast in like a month. And I feel this tremendous sense of guilt because that's a fun project. And more than anything, I want to use the super cool theme song that I have for that. Uh, but I just like haven't been in the mood, you know, like it was, it's a fun project and I like it. And I kind of have some ideas of things that I want to do, but also like it was this really fun idea and part of me kind of feels like I sort of got it out of my system. Like I did it. I talked about it. I'm good. Like I, I don't really have the, the desire to do it anymore. And if not doing it can save me time throughout the week, that's cool. And so I, I don't think that I'm at the point where I'm like, it's done and it's over. But I think I'm at the point where I'm like, well, I won't make an episode until I have something I'm really excited and I want to make an episode about and I'll put that out. So doesn't have to be like every single week. And I kind of feel like a bit of a failure for that because I've always been really good at my creative endeavors and seeing them through. And I wanted to do, my plan with the Ska podcast was to do 10 episodes and then kind of pause and like figure out what the heck is the show. Like let it start to form its own identity after 10 episodes and then look at it and try to get a better handle on what I want it to be. And I made it to like six or seven episodes, <laughs> which is the the average when podcasts stop. And then I just kind of, like, just haven't been in the mood to make one. Um, 
I, I don't know. So I've been trying to think about that and I feel bad about that. But at the same time, I'm trying to also not beat myself up about it. And so anyway, the thing that I'm trying to tell other people when I'm giving them that same advice of like, it's okay, you don't have to do that is also advice I'm trying to give to myself. But it was it was interesting that so many people kind of like emerged where it felt like they had been, I don't want to say keeping up with the Joneses because that's not what it was, but where it felt like they had been trying to push themselves to continue to do something past the point that they wanted to and more because they didn't want other people to look down on them or to be disappointed in them or because they felt like they were doing something wrong if they stopped. And that, I don't know, that I just thought I was so confused by that. And then maybe like three or four days after that whole discussion happened is when Gerald Undone posted a video on his channel that was really interesting. And chances are, if you're listening to this, you probably know Gerald and you, you might have seen the video. Um, he titled it, My Love-Hate Relationship with Tech YouTube. And in it, he sort of explains like, how a lot of the same stuff, like how he'd been feeling funky and didn't really like, I think not wanting to put words in anybody's mouth. I think his, his main thesis in that, his main like point was that he had worked really hard to grow this channel. He got really good at doing something specific, but now he feels like he can only do that thing. He has a certain style, a certain type of video, people have certain expectations, and he can only do that. And if he does anything else, it's going to hurt. And I've had these same discussions, like Peter Lindgren and I have talked on our podcast about this a lot, because Peter's gone through a very similar thing um, where his channel reached a, a point where it had a huge audience. And now it's really, really tough to pivot. When you have a small audience, it's actually a little bit easier to pivot. And I guess that makes sense because there's fewer people. But when you have a small audience, you know, like if somebody sees a channel with 15 subscribers and they become the 16th one, that really means they're on board, like it, to be in on the ground level of something new. And so that probably means that they really are into what you're doing. They support you. They appreciate you. And if you decide that you want to try to do something different, those like kind of like hardcore viewers are going to see that as an exciting thing and a fun thing, and they might even be like proud of you for doing that. Whereas if you're the 500,000th subscriber to somebody's channel, I feel like you, you might be a huge fan and go like, oh, wow, I, I love this. I love everything that's happening here. Um, but it's also, it's it seems like as channels get bigger, it's so much easier to become a casual subscriber. You see something like, oh, this video is pretty good. Oh, this channel has, you know, a large audience behind it. Oh, it must be pretty good. Like, I try to to be conscious of not doing this, but I think it just subconsciously, so I'm like yawning and burping and swallowing and coughing. And I'm sorry, I should cut that out, but I'm not going to. My body was just like failing me for a second there. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Would we talk about uh, rambling here? Yeah, that's what we're doing. And... um. Anyway, as the channel gets larger, I think it's easier to be a more casual subscriber of it. But also, I think a lot of times channels grow because they do something really well. And then if they do want to try to step out of that, do something differently, people don't react. And it's it's like 
there's no winning at that point for some creators because if you just keep doing the same thing, then people get bored and they're like, are you just doing the same thing over and over again? So then you do something different and people are like, no, no, no. Like, where's you? we need you to be doing the same thing. So you do the same thing. Like, oh, it's boring. So what I've been trying to tell the people in that position that I've been talking to is that at a certain point, you really have to, you really have to like trust your own judgment and trust your own gut because that is what built you your audience in the first place. That's what helped you create what it is that you're making in the first place. And your viewers might tell you what they want. Like, yes, we want this kind of video. We like that kind of video. We don't like that. But at the same time, they don't know what they don't know. Meaning it's not an insult towards the viewer, but it they, they only know what you show them. So they only, that's their only frame of reference. So when you say, what do you like? It's like, you know, imagine you are a an amazing chef who can cook anything but you put a menu in front of someone that just says like grilled cheese or hamburger (laughs) and they decide well do i want a grilled cheese or do i want a hamburger they that's just what they're looking at and that's all that they're going to think you can give them because that's all you have shown them so far they don't know that you're really good at like super good desserts or you can make an amazing soup or i don't whatever whatever it is you know um they don't know all this other stuff that's over here and so you kind of have to show it to them. Doesn't mean they're going to like it, but maybe there is something over there that is actually the most amazing thing. And from the creator standpoint, like the YouTube creator standpoint, you know what you can know what helps your channel do well, what your audience is looking for. But also there's probably parts of your life, parts of your world, your skill set, your interests that just haven't like trickled into your channel yet. And it's not that people don't want those, it's that they don't even know it's an option. And so, you know, that just requires experimentation. That's what Gerald's video was sort of talking about, how he he comes from a background of very avant-garde, sort of bizarre experimentation, and now finds himself in a place where it feels very formulaic. And it's interesting, it's interesting reading the comments on that video. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. If you have seen it, go through and read the comments because the vast majority of them are very supportive, of course. But especially if you get down to like the bottom of the comments where it's, <laughs> it's you know, the, it, the bottom of the comments is the bottom of the comments usually. That's where you, you can tell there are people who who just aren't, they just aren't getting it. And they're looking at it way too surface level of the like, what, you just are a YouTube person. Like you just record videos and talk to a camera. Like, what are you really complaining? And I definitely saw people who were saying stuff like, you need to like take a break from YouTube and go get a really crappy job that you hate. And after a few months of doing that, you will remember why you love this. And it's like, I get the sentiment behind that. But it's also, it goes back to that thing of like, your struggles, challenges, etc problems are not invalid just because there are also worse problems in the world. And that's, you know, growing up, that was always a thing I was told was, you know, like, oh, I have complaint or I don't like this food or whatever. Well, there are starving kids in in Africa. Okay. Um, I still have my problem though. (laughs) Like, like, that's bad. And I would like to do something about that, but I can't right now. But what I can do is my problem. And, you know, like, if, you, if you're going to wait until every problem, basically, if you're going to wait until every problem in the world is solved to the point where yours is now the worst problem in the world, and that means it's okay to focus on it, you're never going to solve your problem. And 
most problems will never be solved. So it's important to have that more global perspective of, you know, like, am I just complaining about something that maybe I should step back and just shut up and, and appreciate it? Cause that's a thing that happens sometimes. But also if you're feeling frustrated and you have a problem and you're like, well, there are people who are dealing with much worse things than me right now. I think that's also like, it's okay to say, but I still want to focus on, on fixing my thing over here to go on a tangent for my tangent. Um, it's so funny how people you don't actually know. I know like, you know, a lot of us, a lot of you who listen and watch this podcast, we've communicated a lot through messages and online and, and comments and whatever's. Um, and some of us haven't. And so some of us, it feels like we kind of know each other. Others, we don't. But there are people who you can, ne- you can never meet and still have an effect on you. So I think it was two days ago, Mark Hoppus from Blink-182 made a post that uh, he had gone to his oncologist and was now cancer-free, need- needs to go back in six months. And that, like, it made me so happy. <laughs> and I've I've never met him. I've just been a fan for most of my life. Like, I started liking Blink-182 in, I don't know, I was 13. That's what I remember being, 13. Because uh, what's my age again? The lyric of nobody likes you when you're 23. And I was like, I'm 13. So in 10 years, nobody's going to like me. And And I also remember on my 23rd birthday, I was driving to... Uh, to, to a class at college and I had to get gas. And on my 23rd birthday, the cost for a gallon of gas was $1.82. And I was like, whoa, look at that. Anyway, um, he was also he was also one of the people, I just like him. He's goofy, he's fun. I like his songwriting style. I like his musical abilities. He's like one of the first people that made me aware of like what a bass is because I don't know. I you know you especially when you're unaware of music and instruments, you see a band and they have guitarists and bassists, and it just kind of to the untrained eye looks like the same thing. And that was like, wait, oh, there's a difference. Oh, okay, and like especially getting into music, and then a band like Blink One Eighty Two, where you have two vocalists, one on guitar, one on bass. It was like a really good way for me to figure out like different singing styles, different songwriting styles, what different instruments do. It was like really fascinating. And even how they would structure their albums where it's like, oh, here's a song where Tom DeLonge is on the lead. And then that's followed up by a song with Mark, followed up by a song with like both of them. And it was interesting just in the album listings, like how they would split up who was the lead vocalist on which song. Fascinating stuff. Um and earlier this year, he announced that he had cancer and was, it has been like relatively quiet about it, but kind of posting his updates and being pretty open about being scared and, and everything. And, uh, and it's crazy because every time, every time I play my bass, which is hanging on the wall over here, I think about it and I think about like, man, this is just like somebody whose, whose main thing in life is music and playing a bass and now instead of being able to like sit here and play a bass, they have to go to chemotherapy and be in a lot of pain and not be able to get out of bed some days or whatever. And so even me like crappily playing the bass because I'm not a great bass player, um, just thinking like, wow, I bet he would love to be in my position right now of just like hanging out and playing the bass versus what he's doing right now. And so it made me really happy to go like, oh, like, like treatment worked good story, happy ending. So all this week since then, I've been like 
every day trying to like learn new songs on the bass and playing the bass a lot and everything. And that's, it's been really fun, but it's, you know, that awareness of like, wow, I bet there's somebody else who it doesn't matter, like the amount of fame that they have, the amount of money that they have, whatever it might be. Um, the, at the end of the day, like they're dealing with a health issue and it's life-threatening and it's scary and it's making it really hard for them to do anything that just like any normal human stuff. And boy, I'm sure lucky to just be able to not have to deal with that today. So, you know, it, it does put things in perspective, but at the same time, it doesn't, those kinds of things don't mean that you have to ignore what your actual problems are. And so Gerald's video, <laughs> going back to that, the comment section on that had some people who were who were doing that kind of thing, like, go get a real job and then you'll complain about your stupid YouTube thing. Or they were, part of the video is he goes around his studio and it's there's boxes everywhere of like products and things that have been sent to him that he has to make videos on. And, um, I think some of them were sent to him for free, so there's probably no obligation there. But I think other ones were more part of deals and sponsored things that like he he's committed to creating videos for. And there were a lot of people in comments saying like, oh, just send that stuff to me. Like, oh, it's amazing. Like they're seeing someone going around a really nice video production studio looking at like, you know, very desirable, expensive products that people want and then feeling kind of like bummed out about it. And people sort of didn't have patience for that, but they're, they weren't looking at the context of it's not that he's complaining that he got a new thing. It's because what that represents, because going from a time when it used to just be like, hey, I'm going to make a video about something I got because I bought it and I like it and it's really exciting and I want to share it with you because maybe you'll want one and then that will be exciting for you. Going from that to now I'm surrounded by stuff. Each one of these things represents hours and hours and hours of work, some stress, some anxiety, self-doubt, like the whole creative process, each one of these boxes represents, plus some of them are then tied to brand things or whatever in his case, where there's probably other stress and other, you're trying to manage relationships and build things there. And it's like, if you're feeling like, I just kind of want to remember why I want to make videos again and have fun making videos. And then you're just surrounded by literally a physical mountain of things that, re that represent that stress and anxiety it, it it can be, I can imagine how that's overwhelming and and frustrating. And there were a lot of other creators of all sizes, people with small channels, people who were, you know, mass, massive influences on the platform responding to that video with like, I feel the same way, I'm going through this, feel the same way. And it was sort of, that's where I even got going from just a few personal conversations to posting on Heather and I's community I don't think that's grammatically correct, to then a larger discussion from, you know, people with larger audiences and, and years more experience. That's where I really felt like it seems like there's something here where people are, and I've sort of talked on it before, where it's like, I, I'm getting frustrated when I see videos that just feel more like commercials rather than like, like, I don't want to watch a commercial for a product. Like that, I'm just in the home shopping network. But what I am interested in are tools and how tools can do cool things for your workflow. And so when you make a video and you're like, this thing's awesome, let me tell you why this thing is awesome and what it's done for me. And then I can make a judgment on like, ooh, could I do something cool with that? I love that. 
when it just feels like, here's a thing you don't need, but I'm going to try to tell you 10,000 reasons why you need this thing. That's where it's like, "Mm, no, I don't like that. And it feels like that's kind of what a lot of, at least in like the, the areas that I find myself on the platform, it feels like that's what a lot of it has become lately is, you know, and people are almost like journalists, like there's going to be a new release this month of this thing. So I need to get the rumors, I need to get the first impressions, I need to get the review, I need to get the follow up, I need to get the pros and the cons. And it's like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> that sounds awful. Like you're, I guess if you wanted to be a tech journalist or something, sure. But if you're just the person who got into this, because you were, you know, kind of like had fun with this stuff. And now it's turned into just, just a job with a boss. I mean, that kind of sucks. And I think Gerald's video was sort of his way of saying, like, I want to experiment more. I'm telling you I want to experiment more. So expect to see other things from me. And that's good. I'm glad. I'm happy to see that. And I think he is, he's just somebody who can set a really good example for other people in doing that kind of stuff. And so I hope that 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 does set a trend. But it also, for me to make it all about me again, I had just been coming out of this like funk. And so what I have been feeling is like, I, I was like, okay, ah, I poked my head up out of this funk and then suddenly everybody else is going into one. And now I feel like, oh, I feel bad and I want to help, but also like, let me put up my shield and completely block all of this because I do not want to get sucked into this again. I've been dealing with this for months now and I feel really good right now. So I don't want like, it, it's like, um, I, I don't know the, the feeling it is. I don't think this is an accurate analogy, but if you've ever been at like a group sleepover when you were a kid or something and you were like the first one waking up and you're like trying to like step over everybody to go to the restroom or whatever without waking everyone up, it's like, that's kind of how I feel like, oh, I just don't want to just, I'm just going to go over here and do my thing. But yeah. Um, so the, <laughs> it's sort of a weird thing. And I don't know that there is no one solution to a problem that affects a lot of people, but I can, I can say from my point of view, there are definitely a couple of things. um, There are definitely a couple of things that have popped up, which is I've made a couple videos lately that are just a little more goofy than normal and a little less like almost like this episode, like a little less concrete purpose driven and a little more idea driven or just for the fun of it. And they haven't performed like gangbusters, you know, like, oh my God, it's my most popular video, which I guess in terms of YouTube world would be great because it's like, hey, I'll just do the goofy things forever because those do the best. But they've done fine. And the response has been great for the most part. People, (laughs) um, it's like people either really dislike them or really like them. But to me, that's almost better than normal because the people who, who really like it, really, really like it. Like the people who are sort of like, ah, Tom's videos are fine. Those kind of goofier videos are the ones where they're like, I really like this. This is something different. Like I want to be a part of this. And I think that that's an important lesson that I kind of want to ruminate on for a bit. And also it just ties back into like the idea that it is absolutely okay to have fun while doing these things. And most of us actually started when it was just something fun that we wanted to do. And I think fun is something that is contagious. And uh, 
I know we've spent the last two years avoiding things that are contagious, but this is something you would want to catch that's contagious. If somebody's having fun while they're making something and they're on camera or on microphone doing it, and they're actually enjoying themselves, it really translates through the camera to the other side. It doesn't mean they have to be like big and crazy. It doesn't mean the thing has to be super silly and goofy and ridiculous. It just means like it can be a super chill tutorial. But if you can tell the person is like just really into the software or into the tool that they're showing you or whatever, it comes across and you'll watch the whole thing. If somebody, if it feels like, oh, this is a video someone made because a sponsor contract was due before the end of the month, it usually has less of that feeling. And then, of course, there are people who can who can manage to do both. They can take the business side of things, smash it with something they have fun with, and then integrate it. And that's that's obviously like a win all around for everybody. But that fun part is really important. And one of the realizations I had was that I don't I don't know how to explain it, but getting to a point where YouTube was something that I could do instead of my traditional job. There was strategy behind that, but a lot of it was just me sort of experimenting, having fun with stuff, doing things my own way. That's what boosted the channel to where it got, to where that was an option. And then, of course, when it becomes your full-time thing, you know, it holds a different weight. And so it's like, in my mind, it was, well, I want to take it very seriously. I want everything to get better and better. But also now I'm really, you know, if something doesn't perform well, even though I like to think that it's not going to affect me as I'm making the next thing, it is probably on a subconscious level. It's probably changing the way I'm presenting something, changing the thing I choose to make a video about, changing the way that the video is edited. Like all these things are playing into it because there's probably those things in the back of my mind that are like, well, the watch time needs to be at this number and this needs to go here and whatever. And none of that is what actually got, is what actually attracted people in the first place. So it's this sort of weird thing that almost feels irresponsible of like my solution, which for the past month has actually made things so much better, has been to, even though it's my full-time job, try to view it as I viewed it when it was just my side thing where like I loved it when it was doing well, but if it didn't do well, that's fine too. The stakes are a little higher, obviously, but that approach, I think that approach works. And I think there's just something, it shifts me, it shifts my mindset when I'm making stuff. I think that changes how it comes across to people on the other side, and it changes the way that they interact with it. And what it also means is it doesn't mean that I have to do more. Like, oh, now, you know, it's sort of the idea of like, well, I didn't really do a good job today if I'm not like exhausted and stressed by the end of today. I didn't work hard enough if if I felt like today was kind of an easy day. No, like I don't have to make 10,000 things at once just because like there's still daylight to burn. I looked at my wrist that doesn't have a watch on it instead of the one that has a watch on it. But just because there's time left in the day doesn't mean like I need to be doing more work now and that's that's what I have to do. Otherwise, it's a failure. It's like, no, do the thing that you want to do. When it's done, you're done. And if you have time to go do other stuff or enjoy yourself, that's actually okay. And at least in the past month... That has helped me to feel better. It's helped the channel to perform a little bit better. And it just, I, I feel such a, a, a better, I just feel better. Just in all around, in everything. And the reason I'm bringing that up now is because 
as I find myself in a position where I feel good about things, as people around me seem to be starting to feel bad about things, I'm trying to figure out how I feel good about it. And if I can kind of just throw out a little little bit of ideas or just things from my experience, maybe those things could tie into how other people are feeling and help them to, you know, get past the, the roadblock a little more quickly. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but hopefully it does. Huh, I think I have rambled. That felt good. That felt good. I feel like I, I actually found some neat ideas there. Towards the end, especially, there's this whole idea of there's a whole idea of work and hard work and not just hustle culture, but the idea of like if you're not basically if you're not unhappy at some level with your work, you're doing it wrong. That I think a lot of us relate to. I think it's ingrained in us from a very early age. And that's something I've been trying to deprogram myself, not successfully yet, but hopefully on my way. And maybe I'd like to talk about that more in the future. But for now, I think we've reached a great stopping point. If you have anything that you would like to ramble at me, you can always send a message, either text, voice, video to tom at enthusiasmproject.com. And I can have you as part of the next episode. If you want to support the show, there's Patreon and YouTube channel memberships. Links to everything are down in the show notes. And of course, the PodMic pop filter that I've been using all day from Steve and Tommy at Smart Home Rigs. Thank you guys again very much for this. And I'll put a link to their channel in the notes as well. So that way you can check it out. And maybe we can kind of like push them towards their goal of hitting 250 sooner rather than later. So uh, I hope that was helpful. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week with something... I don't even know what it's going to be. So that means it's going to be pretty good. So in the meantime, I hope you have a safe, happy, healthy, fun rest of your week, and I will see you next time.